This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I had the honor of leading a conversation with Toby Ajala and Yasmina Kone at this year's Black Tech Fest a virtual three-day festival to celebrate Black culture, showcase innovation, and create pathways for underrepresented talent. Toby Ajala is the founder of TechTe, a complete lifecycle digital agency that specializes in software development and design within fashion and luxury industries. And Yasmina Kone is Senior Partnerships Manager at Beam, the world's first crowdfunding platform for homeless people. Together, we explore navigating and excelling within industries that can be inhospitable to Black women addressing and redressing some of the barriers that prevent those experiencing homelessness from re-entering the job market, challenging assumptions that we all have equal access to technology and therefore equal access to opportunities, and their advice to young Black people who see a world they want to help change. I'm Josh Rivers, and I'm Busy Being Black with Toby Ajala and Yasmina Kone at Black Tech Fest 2021. Toby, Yasmina, thank you so much for being here. Um, on Busy Being Black, I like to open our conversations by asking my guests the same question. How is your heart? And Toby, I'm gonna to start with you. I love this question, I really do. So in all honesty, it's a bit tired. It is, it's been a very long couple of years, um, but it, I'm, my heart is also very grateful um, and very joyful at the same time. So a little bit of a mixed bag, but on the brighter side in general. I love that. And Yasmina, for you, how's your heart? Oh, what a lovely question. Do you know, I would say it's good. Similarly, I think, you know, the pandemic, a lot of the things that have been going on in society have been weighing a little heavy, but feeling quite fulfilled at the space I'm creating for myself, with my friends, with my loved ones and my family. So that's helping to replenish some of the things that are bringing it down a little. So mm. yeah, good. 
I love that. I think we shall ask ourselves more how our hearts are. Um, Yasmina, tell us a bit more about the work of BEAM and maybe particularly its necessity in this in this current moment we're inhabiting together. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, this conversation is all about how technology technology can be a part of creating, driving social good. So really delighted to be able to talk about BEAM today. So BEAM, as you said, is the world's first crowdfunding platform. And our purpose is to remove the financial barriers that are stopping people. It's the world's first crowdfunding platform for homeless people. For homeless people, yeah. for people who are experiencing homelessness or at risk of homelessness. And one of the things that people will often think when they think about homelessness is they'll think about the about 3% of people who are rough sleepers. But actually the other 97 percent of people who are classed as homeless or at risk of homelessness are in some form of hidden homelessness. So they will perhaps be in temporary accommodation with their local council, or they will be staying in a bed and breakfast or a hostel, or they'll be in arrears with rent. So when you think about homelessness, you tend to think about actually a very small proportion of the people who are impacted. And so we are working with all of the people who are impacted by homelessness to remove those financial barriers. We do that by creating a personalized plan for each individual that we help, and then uh, creating a campaign. The campaign, anyone can see, if you go to beam.org, you'll see all of the live campaigns of people who are fundraising at the moment. And there you can read a breakdown of exactly what it is that we're fundraising for. Typically it will be things which we'll come onto like laptops, uh, internet dongles, childcare, perhaps first months of rent. And all of those things will be funded by the public. So anyone can go on and say, right, I'm gonna pledge 20 pounds today towards X person's campaign. At that point, this is where the team that I work within uh, comes into play. We are brokering relationships with employers who then want to hire the wonderful candidates that we are working with and diversify the cohorts of people that mm -hmm. they are hiring. So yeah, working with some exceptional employers on that and that's the, the angle I'll come at this conversation today. I love that. And I think homeless, do you have any, do you have any indication of the uh, ethnicity or background of your um, of those you're campaigning for? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really fantastic question. So nearly 65% of the people that we work with are from black and minority ethnic backgrounds. And actually last year in October 2020, the government produced a report that said that black people were three times more at risk of being homeless. And that's because when you look at homelessness, it is very rooted in systemic inequality and therefore impacts the most marginalized and vulnerable communities mm -hmm. to the highest degree. And so, yeah, the majority of people that we're working with are from ethnic minority backgrounds and other marginalized communities. So that's particularly why the work that we're doing is really important to me and, and many of the people that I work with. Mm. And it's worth reminding us all the recently released Sewell report. Uh, which uh, completely disavowed institutional racism or structural racism in this country. But as you're saying, there's a real impact yeah. on the lives of, of black and brown people in this country. Um, Toby, coming over to you, Tech T works with some really big name clients, including Gucci. What does Tech T help companies you work with to, to do or to achieve? So the idea is we produce technology in all forms uh, from the most deep rooted technology within banking and finance and kind of like really big technical um, dorky based projects. But then we do some really light, fun and creative projects as well. 
um, the campaign stuff we do with Gucci, La Perla, Marks and Spencer, like really big fun names that people get to interact with, e-commerce platforms, campaigns, marketing pieces, all of that really fun stuff. But the idea was always to create that because that's the stuff that I loved doing. I still love doing it. Um, but after a while within the business, it was very evident that a lot of people were oblivious. They still are in this business. And I think we've all seen it. Um, a marketing campaign or an advert comes out or a product comes out and it's like, what? who allowed this outside <laughs> Do you know? yeah, and it, begin, exactly yeah. <laughs> and there are so many steps at which point to the point in where it comes out it's released to the public and it's still missed the mark in a very big way um i work towards the end of that life cycle where companies have really thought up a plan or a lot of the time they also call me and me and um people on my team to think up a plan because they have a product or they have an idea. And it's originally our job to come in and flesh out that idea in a digital sense. But in actual fact, I've found the last couple of years have really just been us actually saying, hold on a second. Does that actually make sense for if I was a black person, if I was an Asian person, how would I feel about this particular product? For example, there was a campaign that we did last year Christmas and it was going worldwide, but they were advertising specific products that didn't fare well in certain parts of the world. Certain parts of the world don't drink alcohol, certain parts of the world don't eat pork. And what you want to do is go and put a piece of ham and a glass of wine right on the homepage in these areas. It's offensive. It's not sensitive to their, um, their needs, what they find important. So thinking about those things, um, from a digital point of view, a lot of the time people don't think it's, they don't think that far or they don't think um, that wide, but in actual fact, it's very, very important to consider lots of elements when you're building digital products. So not only do we provide exceptional digital services, we also provide conscious digital services. And I think that's the one thing that does set us apart because all of those other products that you've seen come out and we always wonder what happened there, who stamped that for approval are also other agencies mm. but they miss the mark by not having diverse people on their team i want to throw the conversation <laughs> out the window i want to pick you up on conscious mm -hmm. because i think that's a really it just you said it and i went oh my god of course what a much better way to talk about diversity inclusion thoughtfulness um in a digital space because of the context of this conversation but also what you're doing is conscious too, right? Like these conscious digital interventions, this use of tech very consciously feels very appropriate. And you also have a conscious approach in other ways too, right? I'm yeah. thinking about the laptops. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, one of the things, especially during the pandemic that um, I realized was I've been a big techie my entire life, but when I was starting at the beginning of everything, I was raised by a single mother and I have two other siblings, one single mother, one paycheck, three children, four people that all need laptops. As you can imagine, it didn't happen. Um, I was lucky enough to receive a laptop from my dad, uh, but after a couple of years, it started to fall apart simply because it just wasn't a good quality one. Back then, a lot of computers and laptops weren't, they were made quickly. Um, I had to work in the Apple store to be able to afford an, a, a MacBook 
um, with an employee discount that allowed me to have a laptop that I then used to build my business with. I still use it. It's my, wow. yeah, my, my, it's my business laptop. <laughs> um, but in that, it made me um, open my eyes a little bit to the fact that people don't have laptops in 2020. So this was originally, it's called a Tech T laptop or Tech T device scheme. And um, how it works is the clients we work with, we literally ask at the end of um, a really cool project when they're really happy with us. <laughs> yeah, you got, I just need to preface that. When they're really happy with us and they're like, we love this and it's launched and everyone's happy. Um, I kind of say, hey, have you got any spare devices that you don't use? I've never asked that question and, and received a no. Wow. It's always a yes. Big corporations have a lot of um, capability to provide, even if it's one or two or three. Um, and that's what happens. Companies say, yeah, we have a couple we can give you, whether used or new, um, we take them. And then we give them to students from creative and technical backgrounds, well, in creative and technical um, courses to utilize because they don't have one of their own. I'm talking about university students at really kind of prestigious universities doing things like mathematics, medical students, and they are going to the library to use the devices there because they can't afford their own because right. everything is so expensive. Yeah. So if that is a small way in which um, we can contribute to society in a greater way, I'm very happy to do such. And can people watching contribute to the Tech T device scheme? Absolutely. I think one of the things is, um, so 2018, it started in 2018 when I asked, just by chance, I received two laptops. 2019, I received eight. Um, 2020, I received none. I didn't ask. The pandemic was up and down. It was a terrible time for a lot of people. So a lot of companies were scrambling. So I, we, we didn't get any. We didn't even run the scheme at the time. January 2021 changed the game. As of July, I think we had 187 that we uh, just between January and July of 2021 alone. Um, one of the things I specifically say is we don't, we haven't yet. So we're currently in talks of doing all sorts of things, but we haven't taken money. We have, we've literally taken devices, laptops or um, tablets, either um, re repaired them or if they were brand new, just give them we just give them to students who need them and that's it there, there's a the thing i keep thinking about in this conversation about technology is one the assumption that everyone has equal access to technology which i think many of us can take for granted Absolutely. and the second is that organizations or people working within organizations as i assume many are who are watching actually might have access to something that i mean that could help right 187 lives changed in seven months just, like just through the donation of devices and that's just me asking literally just when i see and it originally started by i was in a, at a client's office huge offices and if you just imagine it was about a hundred meters worth of a walkway um it was kind of like a bridge between the two sides of their buildings and there was racks of just racks of computers no one was touching them and i walked by them day after day after day presenting back and working with them and I said, these things are collect literally dust. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask. Yeah. And, I, and, and it's, I'm yet to get enough. So I'm happy to keep doing it. Yeah. And I'm asking again. Yeah. <laughs> Open your purse. <laughs> Open your tech store cupboard. Um, each of you have taken a very different approach um, to your careers and to a relationship with 
the utility of technology. Um, Yasmina, your focus on recruitment and on technologies that enable broader diversity in hiring result in measurably more diverse teams. And Toby, I think, I think yours is a more of a Robin Hood approach, you know, taking from, <laughs> taking from these big corporates and giving to those who need them. Yasmin, I'll start with you. How has your lived experience informed your approach to what I would consider a people-centered uh, technology? That's a fantastic question. And there's sort of one clear example for me that comes to mind. So one of the um, first things I worked on, actually, when I was at the university, my first job was at an organization called Rare. And they mainstream the use of contextual recruitment. So contextual recruitment is when you understand someone's grades and achievements in the context in which they were achieved. For example, and I'm a real case study of this, which is why it made sense for me to work on the project and then go out and talk to clients about it. And um, so I got to A styles and a B from a school where the average was at the time um, C and two Ds. So I outperformed by X percent. And what that meant is that for any recruiter looking at my CV when I then went on to apply to a job, if they just saw, okay, A stars one B though, and if they asked a question about that B, I would not be able to say anything about that. I'm a CV, I'm a faceless thing. It's just they see that. What the contextual recruitment system does, and now it's used by hundreds of organizations at a graduate level for the most part, is say this person outperformed their context and actually they've got various other markers of social mobility. Now what that means is it correlates really heavily with outperformance in the workplace because you've got that grit, you've got right. that resilience, you've got that drive. You know how to get what you want and campaign for yourself when perhaps the circumstances aren't as easy as they might otherwise be. And so that for me was like a, an incredible entry to the working world, to thinking about how technology can be used to open access to employment opportunities. And, you know, this was at a time where a lot of recruiters did look at grades. Now, amazingly, most recruiters have stopped looking at grades, but that context still does so much because when you think that you're looking at hundreds, sometimes thousands of applications that all kind of look the same, actually look for people's resilience, look for their drive, look for that grit, because those are the things that are going to make a fantastic employee. And so that's how you start to hone in on seeing, you know, some of the things that come out of perhaps being from a lower socioeconomic background. Actually, you see the flip side, which are all the positives mm. and the way that it drives you to be, yeah, really resilient and ambitious. Wow. I'm thinking now of um, <laughs> unconscious bias, and I'm saying that with really big air quotes, because what even is that? But, you know, people make lots of assumptions about um, ethnic minority, oh, let's not say that here, black people and people of color um, in the workplace and at, at the very nascent beginning of the, the recruitment process. Does a contextual recruitment help mitigate any of these kind of unconscious biases that people might be harboring? Fantastic question. Uh, usually you'd have it in tandem with a load of other initiatives, i.e. removing school names, but still having the percentile, for example, of the school 
or uh, not having names on CVs at all, so doing CV blind reviewing and then CV blind interviewing. At the firm that I used to work at, they were one of the first organisations to introduce CV blind interviewing in about, I think it was 2013. And what that meant is that an interviewer would turn up on the day, they'd have no preconceptions about a candidate, and then they'd say, cool, Yasmina, I'm interviewing you today. And you start at a level playing field. Now, obviously, that doesn't take into account the fact they can still see you and you're sat in front of them, yeah. but then that's where training comes in. Yeah. And so you have to really take, with all d &I initiatives, a multi-layered approach and do what you can at every stage to make sure that you're recognizing potential not just polish and assessing people as such and but now in the role that you're doing at beam you're asking people you kind of take away all of that right well as in you add the context within the initiative right we're helping or assisting yes. people experiencing homelessness get back on their feet and so it's quite a different ask i imagine of corporate partners mm -hmm. would you say yeah I'm, i mean the the basis is still the same you want the best talent you can possibly get. Yeah. And if you look at the context that we're in right now, so at the end of September, there are 1.9 million live job vacancies. And we do not currently, looking at existing talent pools, have the people to fill them. Mm. We are in a recruitment crisis, you have got a need. How are you gonna fill those roles? Mm. Well, looking in new untapped places, is the way to do that and sometimes you have to get creative you have to drop some of those preconceptions and you have to understand that a lot of the time the reason that people won't be in work is because there are barriers to stop them from getting there mm. for example not having a laptop yeah. <laughs> you know that is pretty key if you can't apply for jobs most people these days have a smartphone um, you know, on average, the people that we work with have been out of work for about five and a half years. So a lot of the work we're doing as well is around, yeah, not only providing access to tech, but upskilling people around digital literacy. Yeah. And one of my colleagues has actually just put together a fantastic session um, that I, I saw him reporting on the success of it recently. And it was all about teaching people how to feel confident and comfortable in this new digital world yeah. that they may have felt a little bit out of touch with. Wow. Um, yeah. wow. <laughs> I have a podcast. Excuse me, I'm not exception. Toby, you said in an interview that one of the things that has helped you succeed is your authenticity. And I'm very, I have my own opinions about authenticity, but can you say more about that? You know, how has showing up as, or how have you shown up as yourself? in an industry, both tech and fashion, mm -hmm. um, which can often be quite inhospi inhospitable to black people, but particularly black women. We see a lot of black women in fashion. Let's not take that away from anything. Um, we even are starting to see some black women heading up big tech companies and firms. Um, but I was actually on Twitter, I think this was two days ago, and it was a pyramid of emojis and it was using kind of like right at the top would be a white man male emoji um, and then the second layer which would be um, kind of like senior VP or vice president there'd be one white and one black and usually one black woman and then the rest it could be hundreds of people under there would be white and then the last row would be black and brown you know that's where you find the diversity right. um i sit in terms of seniority so to speak right at the top yeah. well along the ceos where you see the white males the white females and 
there's two ways in which I see it. Um, and people have told me to my face, um, I'll be at networking events. And one of the things would be, I would be the only black female in the room. Um, and there'll be maybe two other white females and then hundreds of white males. And um, the thing about it is I go in there and I, I'm not changing, I'm not forming, I'm not sitting there doing the boys talk. I'm, I, can, I'm, I get on very, very well with talking with white men about digital and te- I have mastered it. You know, like I'm, I'm so. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about like Jill, Jim, Bill, name the golf, name it. I'm there, right? But um, there's something very, I think, rather unique in the sense that they don't see someone like me at all, ever at this level. So one thing, um, a marketing company actually found out recently that my company, Tech Tea, is the first black-owned, female-led digital agency ever in the world to exist as elated thank you (laughs) as elated as i was i kind of thought hold on a second i'm 28 years old i'm Mm. gonna turn 29 you're telling me nobody has done this before me like not even close because i know black women in tech i know a few and i know it's changed a lot over the last few years but it's true when did black women who write code who are true software developers get the opportunity to be at certain levels and for that it was like a light bulb moment for me and it was starting to make sense as to why i was this and my company became this it's just about being authentically me Mm. um and also because a company I was trying to pitch to, and I won the tender, thank God for that, a couple of weeks ago, literally said me dead in my eyes, it was the head of digital at the company and said, but why should we pick you? And I said, if I'm gonna be very honest, because I'm at the helm of this company. I said, how many people have you, don't you don't have to tell me who they are, but how many um, agencies have you got on at the moment bidding for this tender? He said, 17. I said. Mm. I, you know, you've got to put yourself together at that point. I said, okay, how many of them are of um, color? And he said, one, it's an Asian man. Okay, I said, no black people? He said, no. I said, how many are women? He said, no. I said, you've got no women. No, not, and the thing about ten, uh, bidding for tenders or presenting for tenders is, it's not necessarily the founder that goes in. It could be the head of marketing or it could be whoever does the business development side. And I said, even in the business development side, not a single woman came to you. He says, no. I said, okay, amongst all these men, white and then the Asian one, how many of them are software developers to build your software products, which is what we're talking about here? And he said, I don't think any of them are. Mm. I said, okay, then that's your answer. That's why you should pick me. And I think it's authentically the fact that I am a developer. I love doing what I do. I'm true to what I do. And I'm honest about it. And in that respect, when you kind of put that in front of people they start to if they really want to because a lot of time they don't or they don't care but if they want to think about it just for a moment they will realize that oh hold on a second like where do we see someone at the helm of a company with with such great experience who's a black woman who can do everything we're looking for and she's right in front of us. And who values the work and the client enough to show up herself. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things people uh, get it all the time. So where do you sit in the company? I said, I sit, I'm, I'm the founder. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, so, uh, and your board. And I said, are you looking for a white man? 
across that true yeah, question you're not, not gonna say you're not i have to admit i have learned a lot from white men about business um about running my business and i'm not gonna take that away from them like you have to some of the best business people or some of the best people that have had the opportunity to be the best business people mm. are white men and if you like you don't have to learn from them but if you want to learn quickly learn fast and not have to make all the mistakes you have to learn wherever you can but the truth of the matter is there is something special very special about who I am and without sounding really cocky I'm I'm you sound like but you yeah, sound like a bad thing. yeah because yeah because I, I work really hard <laughs> so there's something very special about um bringing a company to life like this in this way and then also there's this element of um two in one being very truthful I will look at a client and say it's not a good idea we'll build it for you mm. put it on record I said it's not a good idea or we said it's not a good idea you're marginalizing this group you're not including this group are you sure you want to put that out because if this kind of people mm. see it it's going to miss you're going to completely miss the mark there and that authenticity that truthfulness that honesty because it's one thing to say that you want to satisfy a client's brief or do everything that you're supposed to do it's one thing to do the job because you have to do the job and you want your invoice paid at the end of the day without saying what needs to be said mm -hmm. because if you don't say it who will the employees who are being paid with their salaries on the line yeah. no yeah. so being authentic and being honest and very transparent that's one thing i say when i speak to everyone in every respect in personal life and business i'm quite i'm very transparent i will tell you i mean i'm not telling you all my secrets but if there's something you need to know absolutely mm. and that's how i run my business I love that. It's it's almost like a, you are conscious of your position within this industry that is predominantly white, but you're also not carrying it on your back. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's it would be detrimental to me if I carried it on my back. I, I can't. I, I can't shoulder that responsibility. But I think it's very important to say, listen, this is who I am and this is what I do. Um, I'm very conscious of all of the people around me and what they have to offer and kudos to them. Some amazing agencies exist, but there is something very special about ours and being able to just acknowledge that and appreciate that is all I'm asking. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to, that's okay too, because we'll still keep going. Yeah, racist. Yeah. <laughs> Busy being black. We'll return in just a moment. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Josh Rivers, and you're listening to Busy Being Black. I'm in conversation today with Toby Ajala and Yasmina Kone at Black Tech Fest 2021, and we're exploring how technology can be used to empower, include, and uplift marginalized communities. We're hearing a lot in the news at the moment about a labor shortage, right? And it's all linked to strawberries and fuel and <laughs> bacon, I think, or the slaughtering of pigs. Um, but I think that this actually obscures a much more insidious and longer history, I think, which you've alluded to already, but I'd like to expand on, um, about what's stopping talented, skilled people getting into work. Yeah. I mean, that, there are a couple of different things. There's obviously the initial thing, which is financial barriers. 
Now, that plays out in a number of different ways. For example, one of the reasons we've got all of these shortages is because there aren't enough HGV drivers. It costs between three to four thousand pounds to fully train and qualify as a HGV driver. So if you don't have the money to do it in the first place, you cannot fill that skills gap. And so a lot of what Beam does through its crowdfunding is funding training to fill skills shortages, which is why you know, we occupy a really important space for a lot of our employer partners. So financial barriers is a big one. Training is another one. Support networks too. I mean, right. feeling confident, knowing how to go for an interview, knowing how to address certain questions that are asked to you in an interview, how to draw out your transferable skills. These are all really important things that when you've been out of work for five and a half years will knock you from being able to get back into the workplace. And what you need is that personalized support that is tailored to you to help you build what your career plan is going to look like, what financial barriers you need to overcome and how, how to get a job as well that makes you more financially stable. Because when you take into account things like childcare, and you mentioned earlier, you know, being the child of a single mother, um, you know, it's tricky that a lot of the people that we work with will need childcare. And actually, if you don't initially have that job and a paycheck coming in to be able to pay for the childcare in the first place, you know, these are all things that Tend, tend to mix together and create quite a difficult environment for people to get into work. Mm. And those are the barriers that you find for the majority of the people that we work with. So a lot of it in terms of like using tech then to combat the issues, that's where the crowdfunding comes in um, to make sure that we can fund the training that they require, the first month's rent, the childcare, and then providing a support network. So we have an incredible product team and um, we've got amazing internal tech and external facing tech. And one of the things that our platform does so beautifully is allow the members of the public, the sponsors, to send messages of encouragement and support to the people who they are uh, donating to their campaign. And I think uh, it's 72% of the people that we interviewed in their closing interviews where they've got into job, they're happy, they're stable, said that those messages from the public are some of the most important things that being gives them it's a network and it's providing you know that sort of support that people might not have in other areas of their life so whilst there's a sort of hardcore financial barriers there's also just the element that is to do with support um understanding of the careers that you're going into and the options available to you yeah and the humanness yeah right and i think that many of us are feeling that right that the, yeah. a lack of one, a recognition of each other's humanity, but the expression of that humanity too. I'm rooting for you. Yeah. yeah. We're all rooting for you. <laughs> Tyra. We, all... <laughs> we were rooting for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think that we have enough time for all the questions I have left. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump ahead. So many of us, all of us in this room and, and people watching wherever you are, are still reeling from the events of the past year and a half, from the murders of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, to the uprisings in support of Black lives, to the deportation of Black people that's happening here consistently in the UK, and a kind of cautious reemergence into some form of new normality. Um, 
but in the face of these upheavals, in the face of this violence, our communities specifically, Black people, um, keep finding ways to thrive and support each other and to connect. What stands out for you, Toby, about the ways technology has been harnessed over the past 18 months? It's very interesting because I feel as though the technology exists, but it's really about the people behind the technology, the companies and the support. Because over, especially with the laptop scheme, seeing how, um, when I explain to companies, this is why I want some laptops from you, um, they're, they kind of say, oh, wow, we didn't know. And that idea that, and to be frank, there was a time where it wasn't such a conscious thought to myself as well. So I'm not kind of going into um, meetings or on calls thinking that these people should know or anything like that. Um, it's more so I'm glad you now know, let's do something about it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with me, but it's also, it's very important that it's about the people behind the technology, the people with the access to the technology to be able to share it. I think the use of technology, the TikToks, the tweets, the videos, the ability to share so quickly has changed the game completely. I know black people, older black people who didn't even realize the gravity of racial bias in the UK. I remember speaking to someone um, very recently who had a financial issue. Um, and they said that they had come across a TikTok that was explaining how people's names were causing, in the UK, were causing banks to offer higher interest rates to them when they wanted to borrow. And he was banking with that bank that was on the TikTok. And he was shocked about it. And he called me and he said, Toby, is the technology allowed to do that? And I said, it's, the technology can do anything. Yeah. It's what the people ask the technology to do. Mm. So the technology is fantastic because it can do almost anything. It can do anything. It's about the people behind the technology. But I love how much visibility um, technology has allowed to give what happens in the world um, towards Black people. Because even in parts of Asia, we saw racial abuse towards Black people. Um, not to kind of mark anyone out, but we consistently see how Black people are treated around the world, even in Africa, where they say Black people only exist or should exist mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and technology providing that visibility to me is one of the greatest things of the last 18 months. Mm. Because yeah. there is this assumption that Black people come out of the womb fully formed. <laughs> And we don't, and we know how to deal with uh, racist comments and racial abuse. And we kind of just go about our day, not thinking or not feeling like these things don't affect us and we're fine. Where yeah. in actual fact, things are happening every day to millions of people. And some people are completely oblivious. So for example, a gentleman I used to work with, uh, a very long time ago, but he's a fantastic guy. This is a white man. Well, he's from somewhat, he's from like the Middle East, but he is very much white presenting. He sent me a message on LinkedIn. We, we speak now and again, we relate with each other on LinkedIn, but he sent me a message, direct message, right in the middle of the George, in, in, with what was happening with George Floyd, right when the, the, height, the height of people's kind of outrage. 
And he literally said, Toby, I had no idea. Mm. He's a lovely man. He mm. is a really amazing man. I really like him and I trust him. And that's one of the key things, especially when it came to work, because I always used to call on him to come and help out if he needed a, a, a contract role or anything like that. I call him to join my team for a little bit. And I trust him very much with technology and just to be a nice kind of companion while we work together. And for him to say, I had no idea, yeah. made me realize that, goodness gracious, people, he sees me, he understands how hard it is for me to go out consistently with the no's, the occasional yeses, to build this business to where it is, to be able to pay people like him. And he said he didn't have a clue that people like me and even someone like me was going through something like this. And there's that's that's two. Uh, there's two really affirming points there, right? One is that as to to just confirm the point is that how we use the technology has a direct impact on how other people like us Absolutely. understand our experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's and the funny thing is that example I gave of that gentleman that sent me a message. I said, what, where is this coming from? And he's got, the, he's got a 14 year old daughter. And he said, she kept sending me tweets. <laughs> and I said, there's the technology yeah. going again. There you go. He, he may know how to write technology, but he's not a social media person. And he said, she kept sending me tweets yeah. and videos from Twitter. And I didn't know. So now I'm on Twitter. I mean, told me to follow him <laughs> so the technology is working in places you know <laughs> and he got the hang of it right <laughs> very quickly very quickly but it's brought it's opened his eyes completely mm -hmm. you even in the way in which he relates with me it's not changed but it's become conscious um even when i didn't even think he needed to change anything yeah. he thought he needed to change right. anything and if technology can change that in people yeah I'm all for it. I'm not going to ask you the same question, actually. I'm going <laughs> to skip ahead because I think that you're, <laughs> you've <laughs> made it clear. Um, what would you say to a young black woman who, or young black girl, um, a young black person, let's say, who is looking at the world and, and sees a world they want to help change? What would you say to them? That is a very profound question. Um, I think I would say, think about where your strengths lie. What are your superpowers? What are you interested in? And what are you passionate about? And find a way to create change through those means. So, you know, with me, it's very clear how I can create change because it's interesting you mentioned changing lives earlier. That is literally the metric that defines BEAM. It's, it's our key KPI. How many lives have we changed this week, this month, this year? So for me, it's, it's quite obvious. I do it through creating employment opportunities. But Toby, you do it through changing lives by giving people technology and access to it because you love being a software developer. You are a fantastic interviewer who wants to platform people within the black and specifically queer community. So each of us are an example of how you can take what you're passionate about, what your skills are, and channel that into creating change. So that's, that's my advice. Figure out what it is you love and are passionate about and figure out a way to make that create change. I love that. Do you have anything to add? I do. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> um, my one thing I love to tell uh, young black girls is there is space for you. Mm. Young black men, uh, young black uh, boys, um, young black people. 
there is space for you. If with the sheer amount of people, business, money that exists in this world in today's day and age, it it makes absolutely no sense why you believe you can't go into it. You can go into an industry and it's not for you or you can't go into an industry or whatever it may be. There is space for you. Mm. So just do it and be persistent because you will get some no's. But when the yes comes, that's all you're going to need. Mm. Oh, I love that. Um, I, I, I'm going to speak to Fifi because I imagine she's watching, but I don't think we have time for questions. So I'm going to go on to um, my final question to close on Busy Being Black. I ask all of my guests the same question. I think it's very revealing. What do you hope for? I think that you've made clear what you hope for in the world. So let's focus on you. What do you hope for? Oh, gosh. I hope that everyone has access to the opportunities that enable them to level up in their lives, whatever way that is. Everyone wants to level up in a different way. I want everyone to have access to that. I want everyone to have access to joy and fulfillment and satisfaction and the least amount of stress possible. <laughs> that is what I hope for. <laughs> That's definitely what I hope for. If I could start working, that would be fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't designed to work. <laughs> I don't dream of labor. Uh, Toby, what about you? What do you hope for? Um, so mine's a little bit twofold. Um, I believe everyone should have access to technology. It rules our world like no other um, thing has done before. So for the fact that there are people, and a lot of the time people, when I say this to people, they think I'm talking about third world countries that are looking for wells and running water and don't have any light. Yeah. There, there's that and there's also people in kind of the biggest economies in the world that don't have access to the technology they need so everyone across the board having the access to technology that they need for one but personally I hope for um, the ability or the room to be able to create the change that I want to see because I think running this business and also doing the laptop scheme uh, the business has allowed me to have the laptop scheme. Right. I want to have the laptop scheme survive on its own accord. And I want the laptop scheme to do way more than 200 plus laptops in seven, eight, nine months. I want everyone who comes to us who requires a laptop, who requires a device, who doesn't have access to technology, whether in a creative or technical, you know, we're limiting at the moment just so that we can service everyone mm -hmm. that kind of we, we, we can. But I want everybody who needs a device to be able to get one because there are countries that do it. There are a small number of uh, countries that provide yeah. this kind of service. The ones that don't hate their citizens. The ones that don't yeah. hate their citizens and are, aren't trying to take people down, but you know, <laughs> people that use taxes properly, yeah. but I want that to be done properly. And if I, I kind of kick it off with something small and it grows, so be it. If somebody else does something that makes this, the hope that comes to fruition, so be it. But that is what I hope for. Black Tech Fest takes place annually during Black History Month here in the UK and exists to inspire and create space for powerful conversations around technology, inclusion, and innovation. You'll find more information about Toby Ajala and Yasmina Kone in the show notes, including how to support TechT's device scheme and Beam's crowdfunding campaigns for those experiencing homelessness.
Busy Being Black is the podcast exploring how we live in the fullness of our queer Black lives. Thank you to our partners, UK Black Pride, Blackout UK, The 10th, Schools Out, and to you, the listeners. Your support of Busy Being Black means the world. Please do rate and review the show and tell others. The more you do, the more people like us get to hear the stories and voices amplified here. And finally, thank you to my friend and co-conspirator Lazarus Lynch, a musician and culinary extraordinaire based in New York City for creating Busy Being Black's triumphant and ancestral theme music. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.